Dance has had a place in all societies, all through history. You're nervous, aren't you? (laughs) You should be. Because this is the first dance I learned. You ready? Late 70s, gym class, a lovely one-piece, whatever, polyester uniform, gym suit, light blue with dark sleeves and shorts, with Hopkins embroidered on the, na- on the leg. Okay. Whoops, I can't even do it. You remember this? Anybody else have to embarrass themselves in the same way? Oh, thank goodness. That was the first I knew of line dancing. I don't think it was called that. But then I read this story that two Americans were visiting a South American country when they ran afoul of the law and faced death by a firing squad. Before their execution, the squad commander offered, as some do, I hear, um, to see if they had a final request. And the first said, right before I die, I want you to play achy, breaky heart so that I can do that dance one more time. The commander said, we can do that. He then turned to the other man and said, do you have a final request? And he said, yes, shoot me first. (laughs) Well, today we read of King David and the whole house of Israel dancing to celebrate the return of the Ark of the Covenant to the center of their nation. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was box-like, but it was obviously more than just a box. We don't dance around too many boxes. To the Hebrew people, it was their religious treasure chest. About four feet long, two and a half feet high, two and a half feet wide, overlaid with gold. On the top of it, on the sides, were two cherubs, and their wings covered over the throne in the middle. Also, it was called the mercy seat. And this was the throne of God. They believed that God resided there. The invisible God resided there on that throne, which God had commanded them to build back in Exodus 25. Now, 20 years earlier, under King Saul, the Israelite army had brought this ark to the battle line, hoping that it would reverse the tide so that they would rout the Philistines. The theory didn't work. Knowing that the Israelites had brought their God with them to the front lines, the Philistines buckled down like a football team after an inspiring pep talk at halftime. They routed completely the Israelite armies, captured the ark, and then it traveled about because it brought bad luck to the people in the Philistine group in the places where it stayed. You can read about that in 1 Samuel In today's passage, 20 years later, David, who has just become king over Israel in addition to Judah and established the capital in the center, sort of the center, at Jerusalem, 
David decides that the ark needs to come back into the center of God's people. It's a plan which is not only religiously savvy, but politically savvy as well. And everyone was celebrating the return of God to their center. Now, most of us are more animated when we're excited. You think about the victory dance that football players like to do in the end zone, or all the other baseball players standing near home plate when the runner comes in and they get a pat on the backside, physical. On the price is right, if your name is called, are you going to saunter down the aisle? Of course not. You're going to dance down the aisle and then keep bouncing once you get that down to the front. Now, some of you men may re- recall from your energetic youth someone saying, Stop jumping around like that. You look like a girl. Or, Stop acting silly. As if silly were a bad thing. But statements like that can create a shell around people into which they retract like a turtle and decide that, okay, I'm not supposed to express myself, so I'll keep everything shut inside. If King David had a royal shell, he left it home on ark-moving days. He abandoned propriety to worship with his whole self and on behalf of the nations over which he had become king. Can you imagine dancing as a form of worship? Calvary Baptist Church. It's a stretch, isn't it? What would you do if on one communion Sunday, Janice or Mark was asked to play some jazzy music during communion, and then I asked you to make your way into the east aisle and dance down the aisle and then across and pull your piece of bread off the common loaf and dip it in the wine and then dance back up the aisle back to your seat. What would you think? Time for a new pastor. (laughs) Or else time for an old pastor, one without such bizarre ideas. Well, it wasn't my idea. That's something that I and others were invited to do 15 years ago. But it started well before that. David was celebrating something old and something new. He was bringing God back to the forefront of the nation. That same God who had seen them through slavery, through the wilderness, and to a new home of their own. Reading through 1 Samuel, you see lots of battles and lots of men getting killed. You see Saul trying to be a good king and then letting his jealousy and his greed overtake him. You see what happens when God is not at the center of one's life. Stormy O'Martian tells the story of a couple she calls Lisa and Jonathan. Lisa believed and was concerned that her relationship with God was deepening while Jonathan's appeared to be shrinking just as rapidly. Lisa longed for them to grow together, to have a shared experience in this vital spiritual part of their lives. But whenever she said anything about it, Jonathan protested, saying his career kept him too busy to devote time to praying or to other spiritual exercises. The thing that bothered Lisa the most was that none of this seemed to bother Jonathan. 
until his work became more challenging than he could comfortably handle. As Jonathan grew increasingly stressed, Lisa could see how depleting it was for him. And she believed that if he could make a connection between spending time with God every day and finding spiritual strength, that his life would be far better. She also knew that he wasn't ready to hear about it from her. She determined not to say anything. Now, ladies, you know what happens when we nag. It makes the men want to do the exact opposite of what we want them to do. I know I'm not the only one who knows that. So instead of nagging, Lisa decided to pray every day for Jonathan to have the desire for more of God in his life. Although she prayed for months without any visible change, one morning he quietly announced, I'm going to the office earlier today because I need time alone with God before I do anything else. You can imagine Lisa's wanting to dance for joy at hearing this, but instead she quietly thanked God. After that, Jonathan left home early almost every morning to go to his office and pray and read the Bible. And then his spiritual discipline started carrying over into physical discipline areas as well to exercising, to eating right, to losing the weight he wanted to lose, to gaining new stamina. And O'Martian concludes, only God can do that. When we put God at the center of our lives, pieces of life's puzzle start to fall into place. Perhaps you've seen that in your own life. And it happens in our communal life as a church, too. We have lots of things that could be at our center and seem like God. We can put our grand organ at the center of our focus or our beautiful building at the center of our church lives. We could even put friendships or mission activities at the center of our church life, and we still would feel scattered and incomplete. It's when God is at our center, directing us, choreographing us, that church life can really make sense. If we're just in it for us, if we're just in it for the building, if we're just in it for the beauty, what's the eternal use of that? But if we're in it for God, then nothing can stop us. Now, dance seems unusual to us as a form of worship, and it may have been in David's time as well. It may be that his type of extravagant dancing was unbecoming of a member of the royal family. If you're old enough to remember the wedding of Prince Charles and Princess Diana back in 1981, can you imagine the prince dancing back down the aisle at St. Paul's Cathedral? Well, perhaps it was the impropriety that bothered Michal. Though it's also true that the majority of dancers don't look as good from the outside as they feel from the inside. 
but that shouldn't stop us. Michal was King David's first wife. That's his first wife concurrently, not his first ex-wife. They have an interesting history together and apart. Michal was a daughter of Saul. And it could be because of that that she despised David for the changes that he had brought about. Perhaps she was a member of the old guard and David was doing things in a new way. And that's why she despised him in her heart. There always are people resistant to change. Always. It may be you. I know it has been me. Tell me some, something new you want to try, some new ministry. And whether I like it or not, my first thoughts will be why we can't do that. Why is that? I don't know. I'll have to check with my parents. What did they do to me? But give me some time. And usually I'll start to see, I'll see the positive possibilities too. I hope that that's true for you. Besides worshiping God with dance, David and others worshiped God with musical instruments and with singing as the ark was making its way to its new home. When it arrived, the form of worship changed to animal sacrifices. I'm not advocating this. We are beyond that type of sacrifice, thank goodness. But it is a reminder of what happens when we put God at the center of our lives. That's what Jesus of Nazareth did. He had such an intimate knowledge of God and all that God gave to humanity and especially to him that he lived his life as a sacrifice to God. In Romans 12, Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is worship, offering your bodies as living sacrifices. Connie Kavanaugh's friend taught her a lesson about sacrifice, but not in a way you'd think. Her friend Susan had called Connie to ask if she had time to go for a walk. They used to do this often, but lately things had gotten too busy in their lives, and so they hadn't been taking their walks together. Connie wanted to go, but um, told her friend that she was too busy. And her friend, being a friend, said, what are you busy with? I have to get ready for a talk I'm giving tomorrow night. What do you still have to do, she asked, as good friends would. Maybe I can help. And Connie gave her the list in one breathless sentence. I have to highlight my hair, darken my eyebrows, file my heels, tweeze my chin, bleach my teeth, borrow that green silk pantsuit from Kathy, glue on fake fingernails and paint them red, and I still haven't finished preparing my talk. When Connie paused to take a breath, Susan asked, what's your topic? The response, being real, you know, being yourself. And Susan's laughter, like yours, clued in Connie to the absurdity of what she had just said. And she realized she really did need to go for a walk. Reflecting on that later, Connie asks, can we risk being real? 
Do we dare take off our mask like David did in his excitement about the ark's homecoming? And she says, unmasking is not an event, it's a lifestyle. She says, if I can be true to God and to myself, regardless of earthly opinion, I am well on my way to a mature faith. David, too, was on his way to a mature faith, but the battles were against more than or were more than the Philistines. They were against his own temptations and the seductive nature of power. And because we face temptations too, we need God at the center of our lives. Not just to accept and confirm who we are, but to help us to set priorities, to help us respond to other people in Christ-like ways, to give meaning to our lives. Putting God at the center of our lives makes sense in the long term, even if it doesn't in the short term. And yet, in the short term, it might even make us feel like dancing. To continue the celebration, David distributed food to everyone. As we close in prayer, let us unify our voices in a prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. And as we do so, let us recognize the sacrifices of love, forgiveness, and daily bread that God makes for us. Let us pray together our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.